This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to continue with the music of Wilbur Sweatman and focus on his recordings from 1918 to 1920. What I'd like to do is compare a recording of the original Dixieland jazz band playing Darktown Strutter's Ball from late 1917 and then an early 1918 recording of Wilbur Sweatman and his original jazz band playing the same thing. So let's compare these two pieces side by side and then we'll be able to hear the similarities and possibly some of the differences. Now, in 1918, Wilbur Sweatman got a contract with Columbia Records, which was a very, very important company at this time. And his instrumentation is very much like the original Dixieland Jazz Band. So let's check out his recording, 1918 Darktown Strutter's Ball. Those recordings are very similar. The original Dixieland Jazz Band was recording on the Victor label, and those recordings have a higher level of fidelity, but you have to remember these are acoustic recordings. And that might be why those recordings were so popular, is because they sounded better on those primitive record players that they had back at the turn of the century. The Columbia records do not possess the clarity that the Victor records do. The tempo is almost identical, and you also hear the same kind of barnyard uh, cartoonish sound coming from both groups, you're hearing a little more clarinet on the Sweatman recording. After all, he was the band leader. One of the differences is that I believe there are more stop time breaks on the Sweatman recording, but they're very similar. Which one came first? Who was playing the style first? I don't really know. 
Um, I don't think anybody knows, but what we're finding now is there's some fantastic research that is being done by musicologists who really know the field of early music and know about the different companies, the technology, and have been able to do incredible detective work to come up with all this new information. And it's I believe it's about time that we had people doing high-quality research about this music from the late 19th to the early 20th century, which we really don't know all that much about. Let's go later in the year 1918 to this wonderful series of recordings that Sweatman made. The next piece we're going to listen to is from 1918, and it's a piece called Oh You La La. And it's interesting for a number of reasons because you're going to hear some great drumming on this piece, and then later the drummer is going to switch over to woodblocks. One of the important things about these old recordings is rarely are you going to hear a drummer because the drums tended to overpower the horns, but you're going to hear some drumming, and then later on the drummer's going to switch to wood blocks, which was more typical of this period. The drumming style is in the military or rudimentary style, and it's really swinging. It's a wonderful example of early drum set style, although he's playing mostly snare drum. So let's check out Oh You La La, and there is some fantastic clarinet playing in this. beginning of the recording, the drummer's playing snare drum, and he's playing this wonderful syncopated rhythm, and then about 30 seconds later, he switches over to wood blocks. At that point, you can really hear Sweatman playing the clarinet, so I think it's pretty obvious why they didn't record with snare drums back then, because it would cover up everything. One of the downsides of these recordings, and I believe this was because of the record companies, the record companies wanted this exaggerated kind of cartoonish sound coming from the clarinet player with these swoops and these kind of squeals, and of course, the trumpet players playing horse whinnies and trombone players doing these these loud kind of raucous slides. Did they play like that when they were playing for dances? We don't know. All we know we have are these recordings which are kind of like snapshots from a specific day in a minute in 1918, but they are wonderful recordings. From the same recording session in 1918, we're going to hear a piece called Regretful Blues, again Wilbur Sweatman and his original jazz band. At some point you're going to hear the brass players playing what sounds like a boogie-woogie bass line. So in, in a lot of respects this piece sounds like it might have come from a later period, but it is 1918. Check out Regretful Blues Wilbur Sweatman.
When all the instrumentalists are playing at the same time, that's referred to as collective improvisation. This is an era before the emergence of the soloist. Of course, Sidney Bechet and Louis Armstrong and some other wonderful musicians are going to, you know, show us what a soloist is capable of bringing to the music. But this is before that period. Also, it's it's interesting to note that in the late teens and early 20s, Wilbur Sweatman employed some fantastic musicians who later on in the 20s and 30s would become very, very important. And this includes people like Freddie Keppert, who was a very famous New Orleans trumpet player. Duke Ellington, one of Duke's first important jobs in 1923, was playing with Wilbur Sweatman. Wilbur also hired Sidney Bechet. He also had employed a very young Coleman Hawkins. And what all these musicians said that they learned from Wilbur Sweatman was an amazing sense of professionalism, how to conduct yourself on a stage, how to be a band leader. At the same time, Sweatman is making these recordings in the late teens and early 20s. He's also still performing on the vaudeville circuit, you know, crisscrossing the country. In 1919, he made a series of recordings on Columbia also that I think are his best recordings. At least to me, they, they're the most pleasant to listen to. And what's interesting is he adds tenor sax. It could be a tenor sax or C melody sax. It's kind of hard to tell, but there is a saxophone in the group and that also lends a little bit of what I call maybe meat to the texture. Um, so that's one more voice in the collective improvisation that is so typical of this period. The first song from this 1919 session we're going to listen to is called Kansas City Blues. In 1919, the record companies saw the writing on the wall. And what I mean by that is that they became interested in larger groups that had more music that was written out. There was a band out in San Francisco led by a man by the name of Art Hickman, and his large group was really centered around the sound of the saxophone, and it had a smoother sound. And record companies realized that this is probably the wave of the future. Even though they're still making these wonderful um, collectively improvised recordings, what's going to happen in the early 20s is much of their focus is going to be on larger groups where more of the music is written out, like the music of the Benson Orchestra in Chicago, Paul Whiteman in New York, in the Art Hickman Orchestra. The last piece we're going to listen to is from that same 1919 recording session that gave us Kansas City Blues. This piece is called Slide, Kelly Slide. It could be a reference to baseball, but I don't think so. It's really a reference to the trombone player. This is a wonderful piece of music. Again, uses the C melody or tenor saxophone, and there is some great ensemble playing. Um, and of course, Wilbur Sweatman is in rare form. One of my favorite pieces from this period, Slide, Kelly Slide, Wilbur Sweatman. Sweatman and his original jazz band, 1919.
This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. You can visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com and facebook.com slash jazzinsights. Jazz Insights is a production of WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta.